Welcome to the Coffee with Father Barry podcast. In each episode, we'll chat with Father Barry Fisher about his 50 years spent serving the Lord as a missionary priest of the precious blood. Christ's call took him around the globe, from the United States to Latin America, to Rome, Austria, and beyond. Father Barry hopes that through sharing his stories, you too will be inspired to reflect on your own unique faith journey. We're so excited to begin this podcast, and welcome to our premiere episode. My name is Sarah Getman, and I will be your guide for today's episode. Today we'll be discussing Father Barry's priestly vocation. Um, And so, Father Barry, we want to start out with a question about your priesthood. So, last year we celebrated your jubilee, which means you have been a priest for 50 years. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about when you began to hear the call to become a priest? Certainly. 50 years ago, so I I have to recall a lot of things. Um, It's a long time. I was in grade school. I'm, I'm a, I was one of those what we call lifer. I started out real early, and I've been all my life in this. I recall that when I was in grade school, the parish priest would offer, or he would give a talk to the boys of the school, of the grade school. And we went over to church, and he would give this talk on vocations. And one day, I when I came back from the talk, I was in third grade, and I was sort of excited. I told the sister, I was had Franciscan sisters teaching, and I said, you know, I would like to be a priest, and she's all excited. So she said, well, why don't you go over to the rectory and tell Father you want to be a priest? So I went over to the rectory. And I remember ringing the doorbell, and Father Paul Amon was his name, he opened the door, and Paul was a tall guy, and I, I remember I was just a little squirt. And I looked up, and I, he seemed so big. And I, he said, yes, what can I do for you? And I said, well, Father, I heard your talk in church today, and I just wanted to tell you I wanted to, I want to be a priest someday. He says, oh, really? Well, why don't you come back after eighth grade, and we'll talk about that. So that was the extent of that conversation. So I went back and told sister, and she was very excited about it. Anyway, that was my first moment when I expressed to somebody uh, that I wanted to someday maybe be a priest. I was, as a a young boy, I was very excited about the church. I liked going to church, the Mass, Benediction, Way of the Cross, Confession, and all the works. And in school, in grade school, we would have Mass. Now, I'm talking about the 50s. It would have been 1950s. We had mass every day, so before like ten of eight, ten of eight in the morning. <clears throat> so I would always go to the mass, and then when we went back to the school after mass, uh, we, those of us who went to communion had our little lunch boxes. Those are collectors' items today. They're those little tin boxes. I might have a Royal Rogers, Daniel Boone, or Mickey Mouse, or something, and we would be able to sit at our desk. And for maybe 10 minutes, we were allowed to eat our breakfast, you know, a little sandwich or a little thermos of a hot chocolate. Anyway, that's how we uh, we did it in those days. Uh, besides uh, being interested in the, in the things of the church, I just liked it, you know. Eventually, I became an altar server, and I served the altar board, we said, and I served eventually about everything that ever happened in the church uh, until I went to the seminary. And, But I also remember as a kid 
across the street from where we lived, I would see uh, uh, this car pull up and a priest get out of the car and visit this one home. And I one day I asked my mom, and I said, what is, who is that? That's uh, Father uh, Lipinski, our parish assistant. I said, oh, and she, he's visiting this family. And that impressed me because that, that first impression of a priest who was not just in church, but also connected with the people, that attracted me. The other time, we had another parish priest also, he was a precious blood priest, by the way, and I had another precious blood priest who was um, young, just recently ordained, and he would come out to the schoolyard, with the school was across the street from the rectory, with his cassock and cross and all that, our, our official attire, and he would jump rope with the girls and, and play, you know, he would just participate. He was very, his humanity impressed me. Um, so those two things, uh, first of all, impressed me very much. And alongside of that, as I was in throughout grade school, I wanted to help people. That was an attraction. My first inkling, maybe, that I could do something to serve people and help people through the priesthood. And one of the things I did um, when I was in grade school, I think toward the seventh grade, eighth grade, uh, I was interested in the lives of the saints. And so I decided to make like a little newsletter. That was only in seventh, eighth grade. And what I did was I I looked at the little Roman missile I had, you know, that we had in those days, and take who are the saints that were celebrating this week or the next two weeks, and I put that on there and the date and who it was, whether it was a martyr or a virgin or whatever, and a little synopsis of his life. And then I, with the help of my aunt, Aunt S., we pro produced like a one or two pages, probably was a two page like newsletter with those saints on it and a prayer. <clears throat> now those, the reproduction in those days was not like today on your computer, you can press a button and prints out on a printer. We had to be very inventive. It was a time when we used uh, what is the technical term now, I just found it, was hectograph. <clears throat> it was like a jelly plate. It was a plate you would buy, I forget how we actually did it, but we'd buy some packet of like a gelatin powder and mix it, put it in a plate, like a cookie plate, and let it sit in the fridge overnight, and it would get become like a jello, a little bit more firm than jello. Then we would, I would type up, my one cousin had an old typewriter in those days, I would type up this newsletter with a carbon copy. And that carbon copy you would place on the jelly plate, smooth it out, and then lift it off, and the print would be on the jelly plate. And then one by one, we would put a blank page on that, smooth it out, lift it off, and there it was printed. And we did this for... 50 students that I had in my class. So it was quite an operation. Uh, but it was something that I wanted to do for the class to, in, in a sense, evangelize a little bit, you know, share my faith and my belief in hoping that uh, it would 
turn some people on, I guess. Uh, but I love going to church. I love doing all those things. And I think that was like the beginning of my desire to be a priest, to do something that I could serve others. Wow. Uh, what a good story. And awesome to hear how present that desire was from the very beginning of your education. Um, and also, like, what commitment from your aunt <laughs> to help you with that? That's so beautiful. Um, thank you. And so... Something else that you mentioned you that one of the priests that you observed was a, a precious blood priest, but you are a missionary of the precious blood. Um, and could you tell us a little bit about why you chose that religious order? Yes. When I was growing up um, in our parish, we had all of our assistant priests were precious blood priests. The pastors were diocesan, but after the war, the diocese had a shortage of priests and so invited our men to come in as assistance to the pastor. So they were, when I was in grade school, all of our assistants were precious blood. So when um, I mentioned already two of the precious blood priests, we had three actually, because the first priest I told I went to be a priest was a precious blood, then the other two as well. So that their human humanity and their closeness to the people, uh, that was something that attracted me. I also got to know another priest, Father Wizard, who was the chaplain of a, a convent outside of town uh, of the Adorers of the Blood of Christ. And he, like, became then my more immediate mentor and sponsor to enter the seminary. Now, why did I go to the Precious Blood? Um, as, a, as a child or as a young kid in grade school, <clears throat> I wanted to investigate different possibilities of where to study and where to become a priest. And so in those days, we didn't have Internet obviously. So I would go to the church rack, the, the book rack in the back of church, pull out different magazines, and look for the advertisements of uh, become a, a Trinitarian, become a Redemptors, become a Precious Blood. And so I noticed that the Precious Blood community had what they called a vocation workshop. And that was like, the basic idea was you go to the seminary, and live like a seminarian for a week. They have their basic schedule of classes, sports, work, and everything. And so that attracted me, and I thought I got my parents' permission, and I applied to go there. And I went there then after the seventh grade. I spent uh, a week at that seminary in Ohio, Brunnerdale Seminary, and uh, I really enjoyed enjoyed that week, and I, I thought this is something that I might like to do and where I like to go to study. Now, again, at this stage, to go after grade school, I was not even 14 years old yet. And so today that's saying, wow, how can you, you know, 14 years old, you knew what you wanted to do? Well, yeah, some people wanted to be a policeman, others a fireman, others a military. I wanted to be a priest, you know? So that's something, but I didn't have, if you ask me for some really deep motivation, that wasn't there at that time. I just, it was something that attracted me and I enjoyed and wanted to become a priest. So when I was in eighth grade, the bishop got wind that myself and another classmate wanted to go to the Precious Blood Seminary. He actually told the pastor, bring them up. I want to talk to them. Now, in those days, talking to the bishop was another world. I mean, it was, and we called him 
I don't know who might hear this, but we called him Gorgeous George <laughs> because because he he was really a fancy dresser. His shoes, patent leather shoes, and very you know. So anyway, we went up, and I remember going up there in the car. George and I we were sitting in the back seat. We were scared to death. I mean, go to see the bishop in his office in Harrisburg, which is the diocese we're in. Anyway, we got there, got out of the car, and we were showed up to the bishop's suite and opened the door, and we were told to go in. The bishop's was on the far end of the room with his fancy desk and chairs. And George and I, we shuffled across that carpet. It was one of those thick, fuzzy carpets in those days. And we got, obviously, we knelt down to kiss his ring because he was very formal. And I'd kissed it. And then George, it was his turn. He got down and he had built up such a charge of static electricity when he touched, kissed that ring and just about knocked him on the floor. And of course, that was, that was the beginning of that interview. Well, the interview was very simple. The bishop said, I hear you're going to the precious blood. Why? Why not to my diocese? And I told him about the, this vocation workshop. He said, what is that? What did you do? So I explained the dynamics of that. And uh, anyway, he thanked us and we left. But years later, they instituted something similar to that in the diocese. And um, so maybe it did some good. But uh, that was, uh, yeah, and that's in, in after eighth grade, uh, we left for the seminary for Brunnerdale in Ohio. All right. Thank you so much for getting that story started for us. The saga will continue very soon. And thank you for joining us today for today's episode of Coffee with Father Barry. Thank you for joining us for Coffee with Father Barry. We hope you enjoyed these stories. Know of our prayers for you as we continue this wonderful adventure with Christ as missionary disciples.